ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode nine, one episode away from episode 10. And guess what? We have a big interview next week and we had an interview this week, back to back weeks of interviews. But before we get there, in case you're new, my name is Jordan Lorenz and I, as of this week, am officially done graduating college as a freshman. I'm just kidding. I didn't graduate, but freshman year is complete of college. Boy, did that fly by. Drew Skyberg is my co-host and Drew your year's winding down too. You're getting ready to go to Milwaukee, aren't you? Yeah, I got one month until I graduate, which is very exciting. Then already this fall, I mean, I'm going to Milwaukee, going to go to the UW-Milwaukee. But another cool fact is the person I'm by right now actually won an award from the Wisconsin's, Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. So I'm actually, stand, I'm actually doing a show right now with the first place media market play-by-play winner, Jordan Lorenz. Yes, thank you, thank you very much. I didn't do play-by-play that game, but it's okay. Jim Medley did. As you always say, we're the dynamic duo. We are the dream team, me and Jim Medley. Can't thank him enough. And I just sent an email on a whim to one of my communication teachers, and he contacted some other guy who contacted this guy, and then she contacted this. It was a cycle that went all around, but I can't thank everyone enough for all the support. I mean, that's big. First place in a media market. I was shocked and I can't wait to see what the future holds. Drew's holding up the picture right now. That's on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. So yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to see what's next. Hopefully a very bright future ahead, but only time will tell. And speaking of the future, the summer sports spectacular, we have a date set June 2nd, less than one month away. Our very first episode of the Summer Sports Spectacular, and you guys better stay tuned for the end of this episode. We have an interview, like we said, so it's a little bit of a modified format. At the end of the episode, we are spinning the wheel to determine what game will be the very first episode. We'll talk all about it come the end of the episode, give you the entire rundown of what the Triple S is. I don't know if we're going to call it Triple S or Summer Sports Spectacular. Either way, I've got a few logos made up. Maybe we'll leave a poll up on like Instagram or something and let the people choose what they want our official logo to be. So we'll leave that out there. Speaking of our YouTube channel, subscribe to that. We've got 15 YouTube subscribers and we've got 16 Apple podcast, five-star reviews. So Apple podcast is winning right now. It's a little competition going back and forth. So let's keep those numbers up. And Drew on this episode, very special. We interviewed Gary Maselli a few days ago and that'll be in the episode. I mean, that was a fun interview, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it went very well with with Gary. He's, he's a very intelligent guy. He knows a lot about sports memorabilia. We talked about like uh, gain stuff on eBay, the certificates of authenticity, you know, what's legit, what's not. He's very knowledgeable with that stuff. So that, that went very well. And it was just an overall great interview. He had no, he had great internet and <laughs> we had no, no slip ups with that. So that was, that was awesome. First full interview I thought for us, which was great. Zach was but, pretty good too, but that was a bonus episode. Yeah. So this is our first great interview here on one of the main episodes, and we're changing up the format. After on this day, we're going to go to that interview, and then we'll come back for our weekly sports talk. So it's a little different this week, but in a good way. Let's start things off. Stat of the week. Are we going to call these co-winners? Josh Hader and John Means want to do that? Co-winners yeah. of the stat of the week. And before we get to John Means, there was two no-hitters in MLB this week, almost two in the same day, but the one got broken up. Towards the end, let's give it to John Means, first of all. He's the one we want to recognize. There was the first individual no-hitter for the Orioles in more than 50 years. They had a combined no-no back in 1991, but 
combined ones, they aren't half as good as these individual ones. Means in the game had no walks and 12 strikeouts. Drew, did you get to watch any of this game at all? No, I didn't. It was during, mm-hmm. I think it was during school even. Or I, I'm pretty I was, sure it was I a was day gone. game. Yeah. Yeah. So I missed out on it, but he had a, with 12 strikeouts and zero walks. I mean, he had a phenomenal outing. And like you said, the, the combined no-nos aren't as, as, aren't as fun, but here when you get, you can go solo all the way. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Means did a very good job for the Orioles and Josh Hader. He's our other co-winner, the fastest player in MLB history to reach 400 strikeouts. This man is insane. And I've been saying it for a while. It's usually all or nothing with Hader. Like you're either getting a bomb to win the game in the bottom of the ninth or you're striking out. So you can't say enough good things about Hader. He's been doing phenomenal this year, hasn't he? Yeah, with the, he's got a .77 ERA. Strikeout numbers have been phenomenal like usual. He's done well closing out games. It's just this past week, as we'll talk about, the Brewers Ooh. really haven't had to close out games. There hasn't Mm-mm. been games to close out, so we haven't really seen him in a safe situation. But Yeah, and that's dangerous when these closing pitchers, as good as Josh Hader, like, don't get in that often. Like Once every few days is good, but when you're sitting a guy for like a week, that's not good. So we'll talk about the Brewers in a minute. Like you said, let's move to on this day in history. Today, May 10th, the day after Mother's Day. Happy late Mother's Day to our hundreds of mothers that listen to this podcast. I know there's just a ton that listen. So happy late Mother's Day to them. Let's start on this day in 1913. A lot of variety in this one this week. So we'll get right to it. The Yankees commit eight errors and still beat the Tigers 10 to nine in 10 innings. Can you imagine Winning a game, committing eight errors. I mean, Luis Urias committed three in a game, but eight as a team, that blows my mind. On this day in 1970, Stanley Cup final, the Boston Garden sees Boston's Bobby Orr score a famous overtime winner as the Bruins beat the Blues 4-3 to in a 4 nothing sweep. And that was on 1970. It was the Bruins' first title since 1941, covering some hockey because we've got a fun, fun, fun hockey segment coming up later i can't wait for that stay tuned in our weekly sports talk just three years later on this day 1973 the 27th nba championship the knicks beat the lakers four games to one i feel like we had knicks and lakers in a championship in another week didn't we i feel like this familiar yeah we did with the minneapolis lakers maybe it might have been yes might have yeah that's a good call this was on 1973 now on this day in 1997 the Chicago Cubs during baseball's 68th triple play. I just found that interesting. On the stay in 2002, Anaheim Angels crushed the Chicago White Sox 19-0. The Angels joined the 1923 Indians, 1939 Yankees, and 1950 Red Sox as one of the only teams to beat two opponents by 19 or more runs in the same season. Baseball needs a mercy rule. That's brutal. 19-0. Boy, oh boy. And lastly, on this day in 2018, Rafael Nadal beats John McEnroe's record for successful set wins on a single surface. McEnroe had 49 wins on carpet. Rafael Nadal won 6-3 and 6-4 over Diego Schwartzman at the Madrid Open. So Nadal beats McEnroe's record on clay. I know you're not a big tennis guy, but uh, McEnroe and Borg, I think, is a tennis movie. I thought it was really good. I don't remember. I'd have to look it up for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's Borg and McEnroe is the movie. Really good tennis movie. So that wraps things up for on this day. Anything else or you want to get right into this interview? Let's get right into this interview. It was a great interview. Let's go. 
All right, we are back. Surprise interview this week. Jordan Lorenz here with Drew Skyberg still. Still in the same episode, but now yeah. Gary Maselli is here to talk sports memorabilia with us. This is going to be a fun interview, Gary. Before we get started, how are you doing today? And tell everyone about yourself because our listeners, they're going to be familiar with who you are. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. And uh, about me, um, I, I guess I started collecting memorabilia a long time ago. Um, I started collecting film and television memorabilia around 2000, about 2002. So I've been doing it for the film and memorabilia stuff like for an, almost 20 years. You know, just I just collected things I loved, things I was drawn to. And it wasn't just action figures. It was everything. It was posters, it was pictures, it was everything that I loved. And then when I got into sports, I, I started collecting. And, and one of the things I loved about sports is how much of sports is in American culture. And how, you know, Babe Ruth was the Roaring Twenties and Mickey Mantle really defined his era. And now, you know, 27 World Series is later for the Yankees. And there's so much of history that when you look in history books, baseball and sports come up. That's what I loved. Yeah. And we were just talking before we got on here. We were talking about everything. We were talking about basketball, baseball. So you, you're into all sports, right? I mean, you absolutely maybe you don't collect it all, but you at least watch or pay attention to everything. Oh, yeah, of course. So what was like the first bit? Oh, sorry, Drew. You go. Oh, me? I go? Yes. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on, I totally, with the, with the sports and culture, I, I'm totally, I think that's such a great statement. Like sports really just influence, it's a business and it just influences like culture and just, just I don't know, the support for all the different kinds of sports. And I, I myself mostly collect, I'll talk about my collection stuff too, like we're, which we'll get into, but like I, I've, Baseball and basketball is kind of my bread and butter, so I, I collect that stuff. And you talked about film. That stuff is always great, and we know that stuff makes a lot of money, and that's what we'll talk about too later. Yeah, and one of the things that makes a ton of money is trading cards. So, Gary, I don't know how much like you're into trading cards and stuff, but some of these rookie cards especially, do you see the numbers and the amounts that these cards are going for? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think – I think the heart and soul of the memorabilia market will always be the trading cards. I mean, trading cards have been around for hundreds, probably about over a hundred years now. And they first started selling trader cards to get kids to buy more bubble gum. And then now it became this huge business with grading and, and different rookie cards and signed rookie rookie cards and swatches and pieces of jerseys. It's, 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 it's crazy. I love it. I mean, I'm not a big trading card guy myself, but just seeing some of these things, how much they're going for. And I know you mentioned grading. There's like PSA, right? That's what it's called. Yeah. Like the main one. They like shut down recently, I saw, because they had so many people sending stuff in. So do you think like this pandemic has been a part of that where people are bored, they're getting their stimulus checks and they're just buying old cards and stuff, stocking up? You know, I think so. I think the pandemic um, has had a lot of collectors stay at home and, and brought a lot of new collectors too, because a lot of new collectors are at home saying, you know what? I really wanted that Shaq card or that that um, uh, Mickey Mantle card that when I was a kid I couldn't afford, but now I have disposable income and I'm home. I'm gonna try to see if I can get it, and so that blew up the market. And um, yeah, the, uh, the PSA now shut down till July when they're gonna accept orders. Um, so hopefully uh, PSA opens up opens up in July and we can all get things graded and get back to collecting again. Yeah, the pandemic was totally a big a big thing for this because I'm just going to touch on a personal example, because whenever I'm at like a store like Meyer or Walmart, 
you look, you go to the sports card section, there's nothing, nothing for mm-hmm. baseball, nothing for basketball, nothing for football. It's just like Pokemon and stuff like that. They sell, they sell out right away and you have to come at certain times in order to have just like the chance to buy it. And then they are limit like one per person. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people are. Oh, go ahead, Gary. No, I was gonna say I think there's there's a Walmart. I, I saw this the other day. There's a Walmart that says you can only buy sports cards Friday night at eight o'clock. That's when we will put them out. That's when we you will buy them. Other than that, they are they're sold out. Yeah, I saw a picture of like a line at Target. Like people lined up hours before it was open to try and get these cards. Like that blows my mind. I think. You think a lot of these people are buying them just to flip them and try and make money? Is that kind of part of it too? You know, I think it's a lot of different things. I think people, yeah, I think people see the value in sports cards and they want to flip them. I think people just want to collect their favorite players. And, you know, I think sports cards in general are just, even if you have one card that was done 20 years ago, I mean, you're getting a little piece of history. Yeah, that's a part of memorabilia that I think a lot of people love. So speaking of, let's touch on autographs real quick, because obviously autograph things, whether it's a poster, baseball, things like that. I've got some autograph stuff here, baseballs, footballs, things like that. Now we're thinking about eBay here, right? So like super easy. You can basically get anything autographed you want at any time. You just go on eBay. What are your thoughts on that? Kind of risky. And I mean, you got to look into it really to see what you're getting. Yeah, you know, if you type in anyone on eBay, you type in Michael Jordan, you type in Tiger Woods, you know, you type in any of these really, really big players, Shaq, um, Mike Trout, and you see pages and pages of autograph material. And I got to say, 80, I'd say 85-ish, 80, 85, 90% of it is all fake. I mean, you have to be really, really careful from what you're buying. Uh, you got to make sure they, you're, you're buying from a reputable source. You got to make sure they're legit. You got to make sure they've been selling for a while and, you got to make sure you get, and I always tell people, always make sure they have a refund policy as well. Yeah. So if you I, do get that item and find out it is fake down like a day or two later, you can say, hey, this is fake. I would like my money back. And if they're a good source, I'll say, yeah, fine. We'll take it back. And I, I personally, I bought autograph things off eBay. Thankfully, I've never had an issue where I, I thought something was fake. Your refund, checking if there's a refund policy. I think that's a great idea as well. I always look for personally, if it says certified by tops, if it's something from tops, I always yeah. check, look for that because I think that's the safest way to go. I mean, if tops certified it, I don't know. And it doesn't have to always be true, like what they show in the image, but Hey, if, if they have a refund policy, I can, I'm going to win this case with eBay. So. I, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of these tops companies now are selling autographed cards and with a little sticker and the player has it autographed. And those are, those I think are pretty safe. A lot of people sell those on Navy, and I don't think those are really, really safe. Um, with some of the balls, uh, the baseballs and the basketballs and the, the, the game used Tiger Woods stuff, you gotta be very, very careful. Um, even if it says PSA DNA or Beckett or SGC, like there are people that are faking this, these certificates as well. I mean, I mean, if people can make a quick buck, they find every place to make a quick buck. Yeah, that's just a part of it, figuring out what's real, what's not. Certificates of authenticity, COAs, right? I just went to like yeah. a hobby store the other day and I got a Josh Hader signed ball and it came with one. So like the chances of that, that COA being real compared to one on eBay, I mean, you got to think that's pretty, pretty high that it would be a real one. But I know a lot of people can fake them nowadays. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're a printer and you have a computer, you can make a COA in 10 minutes. I mean... 
the certificate of authenticity is only as good as the company that backs it. There are companies with great COAs that, you know, I do trust, Beckett, PSA DNA, and a lot of these third-party um, authenticators that are actually really, really good and have been doing it for 20 plus years. You know, you do trust them, especially now if um, you go to a signing or, you know, there's a lot of these signings now where you send items in, especially during the pandemic, you send items in, they sign, they send it back to you. And you could pay an extra, you know, $10 to have a Beckett uh, witness there to actually witness your item being signed. He will send you a letter saying, my name is so-and-so, I, I, I saw this signed, I signed it at the bottom. And yeah, so it's just, it just gives the collector the extra let's say the extra outlook to say, yes, this is real. I know it's real. Yada, yada, yada. I think a pawn stars right away with that because you always yes. see those guys come in with them and they're looking yeah. for a certificate of authenticity. And then they bring the guy in to check it out and looks see, with like, his flashlight this... and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the magnifying glass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Steve Grad is, uh, Steve Grad is probably one of the best, uh, the best in the business. He is. Uh, he's been doing this for over forty years, and and when he says it's real, I usually trust it. I say I trust it. Yeah. Is that something you're gonna try and get into, or something like that, or are you looking at other options if you're even doing anything memorabilia related at all? You know, you know, I'm um I'm looking at everything right now and seeing what uh, fits best and seeing where I can go from there because I love this stuff and I want to make this stuff you know, my living and my and uh, instead of a hobby, just my living and trying to see if I can, you know, I just really want to help collectors get their favorite moments captured or that's, because I think that's where memorabilia comes from is we want to get something from our favorite player. We want, you know, a jersey, we want a ball, we want, you know, some, something. So I think that is, uh, that's probably one of the things I'm going to try to do in the future. Drew, you said you collect stuff. What do you all have basically? I know you talked about cards and stuff, anything else? Yeah. Um, so I actually got a personal experience like where I was at a brewer game once and Josh Hader was like coming up to us. So boom, brought, gave him a ball, gave him a Sharpie, signed a ball. I mean, I got a few balls. Like I got like a Domingo Santana. I got a Chris Middleton signed card. I don't know. I have, I have a lot of like, just like random autograph cards of like certain baseball players. And I have like a few like signed bobbleheads, some signed balls, That's just awesome. kind of like a, a mix of mix of stuff. And, like Gary said, it's just, it's just like, it's cool to just have a part of something like that, that you find like, like a cool player or like a player you like a team you like. It just, it's always just, it's that feeling that just like makes us collectors just want to keep collecting. Yeah. I went to spring training in Arizona a few years ago and I brought a ball with me and I went to like two different spring training games. I had like four baseball players sign them. They're like all random players. So besides right. Orlando Arcia, like the ball means something to me because I had them sign it personally, but they're all probably like minor league players who mean nothing. And I think that's one of the best things about memorabilia is like, it's personal to you because like these things that mean nothing to someone else can have like such a value to you. That's one of my favorite things about it that I really love. Gary, do you have a favorite piece of your own, maybe like hand signed by something or just something you bought recently or anything like that? Um, it's tough to pick I, just one. Yeah, I have a favorite. Uh, it's not extravagant, but I just got a ticket stub for Mariano Rivera's last game as a Yankee. Oh, His last, great. yeah. It's uh, as soon as I got it, I said, "I'm this. This is going in my personal collection, and this is going to be here forever. I want this. I want to get this thing framed, 
And because um, Mariano Rivera, as we know, is the best closer of all time. Mm-hmm. Ticket stubs. I mean, that's another slippery road. Those things have got to go for quite a bit too, huh? Especially like the big games, at least. Yeah. Um, and also one of the, one of my favorite items isn't even an item. I was at a baseball game once and I was talking to the people behind me. I, I was with my mom on the right of me and I was talking to the people behind me and I was talking to the older gentleman who I thought uh, who was probably the grandpa. And I was just talking to him about, cause he told me he's loved baseball all his life. So I'm like, this old guy is probably in his eighties. He's loved baseball. I can only imagine the stuff he's seen, all the players he's seen and he told me he met someone. And when I, when I heard this, I said, I got to shake this man's hand. He met <laughs> my favorite player. He met Babe Ruth. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He told me a story about how him and his friends met Babe Ruth. And they were really young at the time. But I said to myself, one day, I'm going to continue the story. And, you know, as we get older, all these people are sadly dying off. I think it's really important to keep that legacy and to keep the memory of all these people still around and that memory he has forever. And now I have it. And that's, that's one of the favorite things that I've gotten, even though it's not an item, I was able to say, I met someone that made uh, my favorite player, Babe Ruth. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. That's one of the things too, is like all the people you meet through this stuff too. Even just if you're buying something on eBay and all of a sudden the guy messages you and maybe you guys just hit it off just like that. And you talked about guys passing away and, and memorabilia it keeps the memories alive and stuff i mean there's still signed trading cards signed things out there for them like you said some are fake but who are the most common faked autographs you think i mean i know you mentioned names before but there's got to be a lot of yeah. them out there oh yeah there's a lot a lot of fake autographs out there players like okay players like michael jordan you know mickey Mantle, babe ruth muhammad ali um mike trout Derek jeter even even though Derek jeter's still alive Aaron Judge is a common fake autograph. I mean, there are still players that are alive that still actively sign that still are fake online. Um, I just tell people you have to be really, really careful. I mean, there's fake Shaqs, um, fake LeBron James, fake Kobe's now that he's, you know, unfortunately passed away. And the funniest thing was I went on eBay the other day and I saw somebody fake a Pete Rose autograph. And I said, Pete Rose has been signing forever and he makes his living now, a lot of his living signing autographs. And if you go on his website, you can buy a ball signed by him for a hundred bucks. Like it's really not that expensive. And yet someone out there is faking his signature. Desperation, these people these days, I don't understand. And it's always like the easiest signatures that get faked too. Like the Josh Hader ball I just got, like his signature is literally his initials. It's like JH71. So like the players that make their autographs super easy, those are getting faked way more. And I mean, that's kind of on them. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I, that I don't exactly like about today's players is, you know, back in the day, you would ask someone for your autograph. They would spell out every letter of their name. And nowadays you ask Aaron Judge and it's just like an A and a J and he moves on to someone else. And it's, it's not a full signature. It's just his initials. And when I want an autograph, like I'm going to say, hey, can I really have your autograph? Yeah, it just feels less personal. It's like, because mm-hmm. my Josh Hader autograph says JH as well. And it's just like, like I could you at least spell your name? I, I get there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of people there, but. It just, it, I don't know, it feels less personal is kind of yeah. what I, how I feel. 
I was talking to the guy about that when I got the hater autograph. He like looked at it and he's like, oh, that's it. And I'm, he was like, yeah, I mean, back in the day, these players, they're writing their names out. They're doing everything they can to make it nice. But nowadays, I mean, you got to think, though, like how many autographs were they actually signing back then compared to now? Because now you go to a game and all the top guys that are out there, there's kids and adults everywhere getting autographs. So, I mean, that's got to be a factor, too, that plays into it that no one really thinks of that much. Yeah, well, I think you have to look at uh, the, the times we're in. I mean, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you can go on the field afterwards. You can go and the kids can go in the dugout and bother the, the players for autographs. And now there's security everywhere and there's nets everywhere and you can't do that anymore. Anything else, Drew, or you want to wrap her up? You nailed it all. That's all I got. Yeah. Last, last question, Gary. What is like the first thing you remember getting and being like, wow. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. Um, it could be like one of your first things you ever remember getting, or just like one of the first big things you got. Um, wow. Wow. Um, one, uh, well, I could tell you one thing that I loved that I loved to get was I went and I got to meet Art Shamsky, which he was a part of the 1969 world series Mets when they won the first Met World Series and everyone exploded, I was able to meet him not before the pandemic and I got him to sign a ball. And, um, and that is something that, like we said, it's a memory. It's more than just a ball. It's, it's I got to meet this player that I loved and I get to share that with um, family and I get to share that with people. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we can't thank you enough for coming on today. Your stories, everything, all your advice too. Really great, great stuff. Your last name, Gary Michaeli, Mich- <laughs> Gary Maselli. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you both so much. Back from our fantastic interview, Gary Maselli. Can't thank him enough. Maybe we'll have him on once again. I mean, he gave us an idea after we were done recording, and I'm kind of intrigued, Drew. Wasn't that a? It was a decent idea what he gave us afterwards. It was a good idea. It's something we could get multiple guests on. It wouldn't even just be us two and Gary. Maybe we get a few other people who enjoy sports as well. Because it, it would be a good debate is what it would be. That We'll leave it yeah. at that. Like a roundtable discussion almost as what we could do for it. But yeah, definitely something we're going to have to look into. But first, we got to mention Canelo Alvarez Saturday night gets the job done once again. This man holds all the gold. And he it was a very good fight between Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. But ultimately, Canelo got the win after the eighth round. It was a big uppercut that swelled the right eye shut of Saunders and the corner said, uh-uh, uh-uh, he's done. And he went to the hospital after to get that all checked out. So hopefully everything's good there. This coming Saturday, UFC pay-per-view, Oliveira and Chandler were crowning a new lightweight champ. I can't wait. I'm more than excited for that. And Professional Fighters League, Drew, have you ever heard of this? No idea. The PFL, it is on ESPN and ESPN2. It's very interesting. It's like a regular season playoffs and a championship. So like it's a normal sports, how sports work. Basically, you get six points if you get a win by finishing the first round, five in the second round, four in the third round. I believe it's three points for a decision win and nothing for a loss. You actually lose a point if you can't compete. So like they have two regular season fights, their points rack up over time. And then they have top four battle in the playoffs and championship. It's really interesting. And it's on ESPN and ESPN too. For anyone that wants to check it out, I love it. They're bringing in a lot of old UFC guys and they're actually losing. Anthony Pettis and Fabricio Verdum both got knocked out. So, I mean, well, Pettis didn't get knocked out. He lost in the decision, but still wild stuff going on there. 
Speaking of wild, the hockey playoffs are always the most crazy thing in the world, and I love every single second of it. I got Drew involved this year. We are doing a bracket challenge, so it's through NHL. Drew, you can put the link to join that in the description, right? We can do that. That's the plan. We're going to try to get as many people as possible on this. Our listeners better join it because it's going to be great. We're going to to see who knows the most hockey, and like Jordan said, it's wild, like the Minnesota wild. Minnesota wild, pun intended. I don't care if you know nothing about hockey. It's going to be so much fun to join this because, like I was telling Drew, some years the one seeds – Go all the way. Super predictable. Some years, all the one seeds are out in the first round. I love hockey playoffs. They're the best. So I'm briefly going to recap some of the things going on real quick. So in the East Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Washington Capitals each host a playoff series. Penguins are the one seed. Capitals are the two seed. But it's unknown who they're going to be playing. So the Bruins and Islanders, the three and four seeds, are separated by just one point. So that is going to be a huge, huge thing. Coming up, and Monday's a lot of big games for hockey. So tonight, you better pay attention. If you're listening on Monday, a lot of big hockey things going on. Now we move to the North Division, where it is all Canadian teams. I love this. This is like hockey at its prime right here. And it says there's only one playoff spot left in the NHL, and it will go to one of three teams, the Canadians, the Flames, or the Canucks. These three teams fighting it out to see who gets in with the final spot. Maple Leafs are the one seed. Oilers are the two seed. Winnipeg can win the three seed and the Jets could go down to the four seed. So still a lot of stuff going on in that division. The central division now are Nashville Predators. Do you know the Milwaukee Admirals at all for hockey? Have you heard of them? Yes, I know. I've been to an Admirals game. I love Admirals games. They sadly didn't play this year, but the Admirals are like the, we'll say the triple A team to the Nashville Predators. I'll use something that you can make sense out of there. So yeah, Predators land the four seed. Predators are, pardon me, the Hurricanes are the one seed in this division. And the Panthers and Lightning are battling out to see who's two, who's three. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Or no, pardon me. Panthers and Lightning are locked at two and three. So this is all set. Everything's good here in the division. Finally is the West division. This is where our Minnesota Wild are. The Wild can either get the two or the three seed. So, I mean, they're fighting to get into this. Avalanche have 76 points. Wild have 75 points. And the Vegas Golden Knights, 80 points. They're sitting atop. St. Louis Blues have 57. So, we're talking quite a huge difference there between those teams. But that's enough of hockey. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Initial thoughts on this Aaron Rodgers situation. John Kuhn talked to him. He said there's a 70 to 75% chance Roger stays this year. Do you agree with John Kuhn with that claim? So I don't know where I stand. I think like in my heart, I think he's going to stay, but what the media is telling you is completely different. Other than that, like Brett Favre thinks Rogers is done. And then there's also those rumors about how pack, how uh, Aaron Rodgers was calling Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst, Jerry Krause to teammates in group chats. I don't know if you saw that. But I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's something like, as we know, big fans of the last dance, that's kind of, that's kind of harsh. Uh And the other thing is if he does go, so I think I say, yes, he stays, but if he does go, I don't think he retires. I think he would get traded. And the rumors that have um, surfaced say that the Broncos are Mm -hmm. the front runners for him, which I, I don't understand a scenario that would really like make that make that make sense. Mm -hmm. But like, I, I think he's going to stay and I, I don't care what, what's been said. 
I don't know where you how where do you think? Yeah, I think it's more of like an attention thing from Rodgers almost at the moment. Like the Jake Kumaro thing that came out this week, that that was one of the big breaking points too, that Rodgers said, yeah, he's a lock to make the roster last year. And then the Packers cut him. It's like they just blatantly didn't care what Aaron Rodgers thought. Kumaro gets cut from the Packers, and that was one thing that kind of set him off. And like you said, I don't think the Broncos make sense for Rodgers to go to. Like what are we getting in return that is like worth Aaron Rodgers? I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. And I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers, so anywhere he goes, he's still going to be a star, no matter how long he has left in him. I don't think he retires. I think you're dead on there. There's no there's no way he retires, and if he does, it's just for a year or two, and then he's coming back. I just can't see any scenario where he retires and it actually lasts the rest of his career. It doesn't make sense, and I also thought it was weird because I saw something that the Packers were considering drafting a quarterback, which makes you think, like, what are their thoughts on Jordan Love? Because why would they draft another quarterback? Did you see anything about that at all? I I didn't. And I think I know they would be looking for another quarterback because Jordan loves the only quarterback on the roster as of right now, other than Aaron Rodgers. But I just I I don't see why he would want to leave, because like if he would go to the Broncos, like he's just leaving like Green Bay is the best. If he wants to win a Super Bowl next year, Green Bay is the best place to play for him to win a Super Bowl. And And there's yeah. And there's no way his stats are going to be anything remotely similar to last year. That was a huge year for Rodgers. And like I said, I think he's kind of trying this to use it for leverage almost in a way, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen. That's why it's interesting. We'll keep you updated. But we got to move on from NFL to high school football. Drew, 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 Drew. The Manitowoc Lincoln Ships win their homecoming game 42 to 12. This blew my mind. I turned the game on and it was in like the third quarter and I'm pretty sure they were up 42 to six and I, I had to do a double take. I'm like, whoa, this team led 21 six in the first quarter. They were up 21 plus 14, 35 to six at halftime. I mean, this is a wild. Listen to these stats. I'm so happy with sports actually has stats for a game once. Bryson that passing three of three, 17 yards, whatever. They're not a passing team. Matt Mazur, one carry, 47 yards with a touchdown. Bryson Roulette, two carries, 49 yards, two touchdowns. Brett Prangy, 14 carries, 152 yards, and three touchdowns. Green Bay East could not stop the run at all. Passing Green Bay East, three of eight for 49 yards. And Alex Oakey, 13 carries, 23 yards. I mean, the ships must have just done everything right in this game. And what a way to end the year, huh? 42 points they put up and win the game. Phenomenal. And I had the worst take ever <laughs> on that game. And I thought, I, I said that there was a, I, I, I listened back to what I said last week. I gave them a shot. I said, however, that I didn't think it was happening. And look who was wrong. We were wrong about the Packers with, with free agency. We've been wrong with a lot of things. We were wrong with the Brewers. I was wrong with this, you know, just you guys should listen to what we say and then just choose the opposite. You know, if you're yep, yep. doing some Vegas bets or anything, just tail, don't take our advice. No, never at this point, because we're always wrong about everything. It seems Drew with Illinois. That was a big one that I first thought of. And then this, I mean, it is crazy, crazy stuff. But let's talk about some baseball. I told Drew, I said, hey, let's cover some minor league stuff this year. And you're all like, what minor league baseball? Just the Brewers minor league of course i'm not going to give you the triple a standings every week no one cares about that 
We care about the Brewers and how their teams are doing. Keston Hira expected to play his first AAA game on Tuesday. So tomorrow, Hira is supposed to be getting his first go at AAA. Find that intriguing. I really wondered why he wasn't playing the first few games, but I don't know. Maybe there's a plan or something. Josh Lindboom also is pitching his second day of pitching. He pitched 2.1 innings, 50 pitches, 34 of which were strikes. And he threw 27 pitches earlier in the week too. So, I mean, Brewers finally getting to use the minor leagues to get players back and going. Nashville Sounds, their AAA team are three and two. The Bloxy Shuckers are one and four. And the Timber Adders, four and one to start the year. But some of the big news there, Brewers' number one prospect gets injured. Garrett Mitchell is out with an injury. It says, after a promising professional debut, Garrett Mitchell, the Brewers' top prospect, will be sidelined at least throughout the weekend with a muscle strain behind his left knee. So, I mean, Drew, this must just be a curse at this point. Every brewer is getting injured. It doesn't matter if you're a brewer professionally or in the minor leagues. Everyone's going down. Yeah, and but um, with a lot of people going down, you got a lot of people coming back. So that's but that's a plus because, like we mentioned, Manny Pena's coming back, came back. Lorenzo Cain's back. Christian Yelch was back for one game. And then... <laughs> That, that's a disaster. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. He yeah. Yelich seemed frustrated in his press conference, so that's not good. Yeah, I think he's frustrated because no one knows what's wrong. Like, no one has affixed anything. Like, there's a Brewers podcast I listen to, and I am glad we don't do a one-hour Brewers podcast every week because what would we be talking about? How well starting pitching is doing, how bad the Brewers did this week, injuries, 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 injuries. I mean, that's all we would be talking about all the time because that's what this is. We do have some good news, though, for the Brewers. Like you said, Manny Pena and then Brett Anderson is pitching yesterday, right? Brett Anderson is yep, supposed yep. to get the go. For we're recording. Day. Yeah, we're recording Sunday morning, so hopefully that stays. And it says Corbin Burns will likely throw a bullpen Monday and activate it next week, so good for that. And Narvaez was running again as of Saturday. So, I mean, like you said, we're getting a lot of guys starting to come back real quick. Let's look at these AAA stats. I was intrigued. See how D-Strange Gordon is doing to start the year. Not too well through four games, 222 average. He's got four hits and three runs. I mean, he hit a triple, has a stolen base. Not the worst start. I just, the signing was very interesting. We got to talk, though. Corey Ray, two home runs for this team. Him and Zach Green both have two home runs. Corey Ray was playing on the Brewers at a time because they were struggling with their outfield. And Jamie Westbrook, second baseman, batting 571 through the first five games. See if he can keep that up. I mean, that is a hot start off a very, very cold Brewers week. Monday, they lost 4-3. to three. Tuesday, 6-5. to five. Wednesday, 5-4. Thursday, 2-0. Friday, 6-1. Till finally, Saturday, they get a win. Drew, it was just a frustrating week to be a Brewers fan. Yeah, that, that four games we've had filled, it was just horrible. Like, just losing close games. Just, they get out. They just shoot themselves in the foot right away. The first three innings, they give up. They gave up that grand slam that one week or that one game. In oh, I turned it off right after the oh, slam. I was like, uh-uh. That was frustrating. And then the first game against the Marlins, that was frustrating Friday. But then Saturday, Adrian Hauser came to save the day. He takes Castano deep a second time this yes. year already, which was awesome. And then he pitched, a, he pitched a brilliant game. The offense finally woke up. And then J.P. Fireising came in, shut the door. Devin Williams shut the door. And then Josh Hader, he got it. He got that record, the stat of the week for us on mm-hmm. Saturday. So that was great to see. But I'm just, I'm hoping they they win Mother's Day, as we know. We'll, we'll know tomorrow or 
today, I guess, if we – Yeah, if by now we'll know. By now it, we'll know, but we, we, we're rooting for you, Brewers. I'm just – Hauser is so inconsistent to me. Like, he's probably my least favorite Brewers pitcher because you never know what you're going to get out of him. So, I mean, he's – he goes yard, though. Two home runs on the year. I mean, that's more than some of the Brewers on the team. This is very, very interesting to say the least. But regardless, I am winning 2-1 to one in the Brewers' standings and – Anything else to wrap up the week, or you want to look ahead to what they got coming up? Well, I also wanted to shout out uh, Ernan Perez for being back. He got signed yes. to the AAA team, so he'll probably be playing with Keston on Tuesday. That'll be good to see. And the other thing I wanted to shout out was that this long stretch of games, they're finally coming to end. We get that off day Monday. Woo. Yeah, finally. Today we have off. No Brewers game today, but tomorrow. We're back at it. 17 games without an off day. That is brutal. I want to know who's scheduling this stuff. But like we've said previously, got to get the games in if you want to play them all. So Brewers, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, play the Cardinals for the first time this year. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, play the Braves. And then we got another off day on Monday. So, I, I mean, it was Friday off days and it was Thursday. Now it's Monday off days. They're moving all around. Brewers, as of the time we're recording, are second in the division, 18 and 16. Cardinals are 20 and 14. Brewers have a cold week. Cardinals have a hot week. They were eight and two in their last 10. Cardinals were just four and six. And Braves, they're iffy right now. Middle of the road, 16 and 17. So this is going to be a very intriguing week to see how we do against the Cardinals. We got six games on the stretch, and I'm going to go three and three. Brewers are going three and three this week, probably win one against the Cardinals and take two over the Braves, but I'm not too sure. Regardless, I'm picking three and three. I got to go bold again. Four and two. Okay. I, I want to keep taking – I want to keep taking them over 500 because I, I like to see the Brewers win some games. I know cold week last week, and I chose them. I think four and three, that didn't happen. Yep. Terrible, but – Yeah, because you yelled at me for picking three and four, and there they went and lost the first four games, and I locked it up, so – it's we'll I'm not half the time. I don't, I'm not predicting what I want to happen. I'm predicting what I think is going to happen. Obviously I don't want them to go three and four, but here they are. They might've gone one in five or one in six or whatever it was this past week. So it's just a brutal week. Hopefully they can move on and get back on track. So final thing we want to talk about Milwaukee bucks. I mean, we don't cover the bucks a whole lot, but now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. And this is where we're going to start talking about some bucks. This team Locked up their playoff spot. The Bucks, Nets, and Sixers all clinched the playoffs. Sixers are 47 and 21. Nets are 44 and 24. And the Bucks are 43 and 24. So just half a game behind the Nets, three and a half behind the Sixers. Drew, this was a team that struggled for a while with injuries. But how's everyone doing now? Healthy, playing well. I saw Giannis had like 49 the other day. So I mean he's doing phenomenal. Yeah, this Bucks team, they they got hot when they needed to. They won us. They won a crucial back-to-back against the Brooklyn Nets at the Pfizer Forum. And with that with the back both those wins, the Bucks now have the tiebreaker over the Nets for the second spot with the head-to-head record. So, that's huge. If we, yep, if it comes down to a scenario at the end of the year, considering for the Bucks they got five games left, if they if they end up tying with Brooklyn, they got the tiebreaker. They'll take the two spot over them, which will be great because as we know, if the higher you get in the NBA playoffs, you know, you get the home field, the home court, you know, mm-hmm. which is always great. Even with COVID, there's been not as many fans. That's still crucial. Yeah, still time. fans count. We Yeah, we got an interview coming up either next week or the week after. We'll be talking Bucks with, with the Bucks believer. So that'll be great to hear. 
There's and, no bigger Bucks fan than him, so I'm looking forward oh, to that. Yeah. Real quick, and, my Celtics, they're the seventh seed, and I know the playoffs are different this year. There's like a play-in game or something. Can you explain how that's working out? Because I'm still confused. Yeah, so the seven, so the seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds. So they're gonna play each other. The seven's gonna play the ten, the eight's gonna play the nine. And I'm not exactly sure if it's a three game. I'm not I'm not sure. I saw it was like a five day stretch of games, so it might be best of three. It might be best of three. I'm not sure what the duration is, but the seven through ten seeds all have to play in a play in tournament in order to play in for the seven and eight spots, if that makes sense. So and why is that? Because of COVID, they just want to add more teams or what? What happened was they, they debuted this in the bubble last year. They had a little play-in mm-hmm. thing. And Adam Silver's like, hey, more games, more money. Let's do it. And that's Makes basically business-wise. That's basically how it happened. We saw NBA stars are not happy. Like LeBron James might have oh. to play in a play-in tournament. And yeah, and of course, he's throwing a fit about that. Oh, on yeah, social media and to the press, he was just not having it. And I, I can kind of see why because, I mean, this is – it was implemented just kind of for more games, more money. It's kind of like how the expanded playoffs in baseball yes. were last year. It's kind of like that for NBA. Is or how if I view college it. football would expand the playoffs, like we talked about a few weeks ago, if they would make it 12 teams, I mean, that would just be terrible. But Bucks, they're, is it the GM or he's kind of on the hot seat if they don't do well, right? I'm pretty sure that right was Right now, him. it's not the GM. It is it is Mike Bootenholzer, the coach, head coach. Okay, as, coach. Considering because the last two years they've had fantastic records, even better records than a forty-three and twenty-four record, and just nothing to show. They lost in the they lost in the semis last year to the to the um. Let me think, Miami Heat, and then they lost the year before to the Toronto Raptors. Of course, the conference finals that was horrible, very mm-hmm. sad. Didn't they and, lose in like five games? It wasn't competitive. Oh, yeah, last year against the Heat, it was not competitive. The bubble bucks, they just were not the same as they were in, in the regular season. That's really what it was. And Well, that's because last year was so stupid the way they did it. They played all yeah. these games, and then they just took a break for a few months and then came back with the playoffs. I hated it, but that was that. So what else you got for the Bucks? Anything? Yeah, well, I, I talked about the five games being left. They, play, they got the Spurs, they got the Magic, the Pacers, the Heat, and the Bulls, and those all five of those games are winnable. So I, I feel like this team, I, I don't think they're going to get that one seed as, because the 76ers schedule is even easier than that from what I've seen. And I think, I think, I, I think they're going to get that second spot. I think they're going to lock it up over the nets and that's going to be a great thing. So they're going to play one of the teams in the play in tournament. They're going to play that seven seed. Well, we won't know who it was, who it will be until mm-hmm. that play in tournament, but I'm excited. Well, like I said, we're, we plan to have that interview to talk about it, but it should be some good fun. Yeah, if not next week, it'll be the week after. Bucks are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and so are the Sixers. Sixers won eight straight, and the Nets are 5-5, five and five, so Nets doing kind of iffy if they keep on that, and the Bucks keep playing the way they are. I think that two seed is going to be no problem. So that basically wraps everything up, but, 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 no trivia. We don't do trivia with a guest like the way we did it but we have the Summer Sports Spectacular. Let's tell them all about it, Drew. This, we've been planning this for a while. Finally, we've got everything hammered down and figured out to a T. So basically what it is, Drew and I are going to watch old games. So some, there's an NBA game from like 2010, but some things we've got old. I mean, I'm talking 1965 MLB World Series. All the games are available on YouTube. We picked out five Super Bowls five NBA finals, five world series, 
five March Madness, and five NCAA bowl games for football. So we've got 25 options, but we're doing a 10-episode season. So not every game that got picked is going to actually be done. We've got 25 options, but only 10 episodes. As we said before, first episode, June 2nd. Right now, just like the trivia wheel, we are going to spin the wheel to determine the first game. Drew, I don't want to ask if you have any guesses, but anything you're looking forward to or want this wheel to land on? I wouldn't mind watching an old-fashioned basketball game. You know, we got a 70s or 80s basketball game on there, I'm pretty sure. And I really am looking forward to watching those. Yeah, so for basketball, we've got an 87 is the oldest. And I want to pick some older ones, but, I mean, we'll have future seasons too. So there's nothing to worry about. The choice is in. The wheel has decided that we will be watching the 2005 NCAA football championship. So it's an interesting choice. We're going back 16 years. The championship game that year, USC and Texas. So that is our first episode, 2005 NCAA football championship, USC and Texas. Thoughts on that game? I'm looking forward to some old, co- some not really that old college football. I mean, we but, were you know, four and three at the time, so it's not like we know anything going on. Yeah, it'll still be old for us, I think. So I, yeah. that should be good. And it'll still be like in color. I'm assuming it was probably on ESPN back then. Yeah, that's and, definitely in color. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm saying, of course, it's in color. But I hope so. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's that. fun. With these episodes, what we're going to do, we're going to, if we can find like preseason favorites, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about standings. We'll talk about USD and Texas's road to this championship game. I mean, we're going to take a deep dive into the season. These episodes could be anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. I mean, I don't really know how much we're going to talk about things. We're certainly no experts, but that's the point. We're going to learn. We're going to figure things out about these seasons. We'll watch the game probably like the night before or the night of and then talk about it. It's going to be a good time. Summer Sports Spectacular coming soon. And that wraps everything up. Episode one of the Summer Sports Spectacular, June 2nd. And this wraps up episode nine of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Let us know what you thought about the interview. If you want more of Gary Maselli, if there's anything memorabilia related you want to hear us talk about, we barely scratched the surface. It was just a start with all that. And if you guys enjoyed it, we'll do more for sure. Drew, shout yourself out, Mr. Sir. You can hit me up on Snap, Drew Skyberg. You know how to spell the name already. Where do we, mm-hmm. What about you, Jordan? I am on Twitter, as always, JordanLaw underscore PXB. That's J-O-R-D-O-N. Remember to spell that bad boy right. Don't forget to descri- subscribe to the YouTube. Leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll take all the reviews we can get. Subscribe on there as well. That is it. We will see you next week, potentially with an interview. Not too sure. Either way. We had a lot of interviews lately, and we're loving every bit of it. Can't wait for the Summer Sports Spectacular. Thank you for listening to Episode 9 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.